Hello and welcome to Leadership Amplified, More Impact, Less Effort. This is a podcast to inspire leaders to get more impact with their teams, to promote inclusion and to do it in a way that makes them feel energised, not exhausted. There are interviews, updates and practical tips. I'm Dr Karen Morley and it's a pleasure to welcome you to the podcast. Leadership is only valuable if it's a resource for the organisation. And it's a resource when teams and individuals benefit from being led. I focused in this podcast series on four major themes. Firstly, emerging inclusive leadership frameworks and practices. Secondly, the value of coaching to leadership and to inclusive leadership in particular. Thirdly, the gentle art and the power of collaboration. And finally, regulating your own energy and motivation as a leader. The podcast series is a mix of interviews, book readings and information sessions. And each interview is about 15 to 30 minutes long. CEOs, leaders and academics will share their wisdom with me and with you through their stories, the research and case studies. In this podcast, I'm introducing you to my forthcoming book, Beat Gender Bias, How to Play a Better Part in a More Inclusive World. And this is my story of why I wrote the book. When I was six, I experienced for myself what I now know to be bias. And I care so much about bias because at that early age in my life, I had constraints placed on me simply because I was seen to be different. I experienced those constraints as restraints on my capability and my learning and my success. I kept trying to get it right and I just didn't know what that was. I felt frustrated that I couldn't work out what did I need to do to get this right and to be able to succeed. And I kept trying harder, but I really didn't manage to crack that secret code. Now, rather than my gender, which is what I do focus on in my book, Beat Gender Bias, it was my left-handedness. And my handedness gave me my first taste of what it felt like to stand out and not to fit in. In my class, with that teacher, I was a left-hander first. And try as hard as I could, as I said, I wasn't able to score more than six out of ten on my writing tests. And I was dumbfounded as to why this was happening. The other three or so left-handers who were in my class got just the same treatment too. Uh, there were no words of encouragement to us. It was just you weren't getting it right. And it wasn't about the quality of the writing. Now, I'm not sure that a six-year-old really can make that judgment, but that's what I felt at the time. I, I thought it didn't seem at all fair. The uh, feedback, if you like, was always about the inferiority of being left-handed. Now, I was only six at the time, but those feelings of not being seen for my skills and my efforts were very strong. They have stayed with me since. Luckily for me, though, I did do well in other subjects. And I like to think um, that I had uh, a whole range of other skills and capabilities where my handedness didn't seem to be such an issue. And I had a very supportive family. 
The next year, I moved into a new class, I had a new teacher and everything was completely different and the world did then open up fully to me. I really experienced the difference very strongly. I became a dedicated, conscientious student and I went on to do well at school and university. Um, I had a, a great many privileges. If I skip forward a few years and I trained for my psychology masters with an exceptional group of mental health professionals, and we worked with women and children who were experiencing uh, domestic violence. Um, my first working role was in a community health service and that was led by a female CEO. And we had a gender balanced workforce. It was a fantastic privilege to work in such a purpose driven and a fair culture, very growth oriented culture where I learnt an enormous amount. And, and the um, outstanding experiences that I had there really shaped what I hold to be as my, my sort of compass, my aspiration for what work should be like and what work cultures should be like. It was several years later when I was focusing on advancing my career and I was doing that in an, I'd moved to another organisation. I found myself again standing out and not fitting in and this time the basis was my gender. Um, and since that time, I've become committed to doing what I can do to advance the careers of women. Uh, and promoting inclusion has been a motivating value. What is it that I can do to help everybody, uh, the people around me, uh, to fulfill their, their potential? My dream is that no one should experience constraints just because there are a certain colour, gender, sexuality, handedness, whatever it might be. Whatever our demographic differences, we really should have all, the all have the opportunity to be lifted up and to rise so that we can be our best. And this is why I care about bias so much. It's why I'm so motivated to change the way that we shape and experience the world of work for people. It should be a place where talent and potential is what shines through, where people get noticed and they get recognised through the lens of what they can do, what they bring to the workplace, not what they look like. Now, while beat gender bias uh, focuses on beating gender bias, its purpose is really framed around how to beat all people-oriented bias. My goal is to drive a stronger awareness of the value of inclusive leadership and how that amplifies everyone's full talents and potential. So if you're aligned with me, already aligned with um, this perspective, then I hope that the book, when it's released, really reinforces your dedication, that it will provide you with more insights, encouragement and tools for beating bias. Um, and if if not, uh, and you're just curious, uh, and that's why you've shown up to listen to the podcast today, then I hope that when you've read the book and when you've listened to the podcast, that you'll join me on that journey. And I'll be providing um, a number of podcast episodes that are based on uh, the book so that I can share uh, all of the, the learnings and the opportunities and the tools with you via the podcasts. Now, to beat gender bias, um, you need to know what to do, what to know and what to value. And so the first section of the book focuses on that. 
The second is um, a deep dive into the most vexing biases that keep tripping us up. Um, there are suggestions about what to do to mitigate them. You know, for example, you can't be what you can't see um, is a really significant bias. So I talk about where does that come from? How, why does that exist? Uh, how does it impact women and everyone else in the workplace? And what can you do about it? And then the third section of the book focuses at more of an organizational level on how leaders can create a better culture. What can they do um, to make sure that their culture is one that supports gender balance? Um, that is an inclusive culture and therefore it's supportive of people whatever their demographic background and characteristics. And whether or not you're a senior leader in an organisation and have the opportunity to, to leverage the culture, there are many, many different ways in which you can work to beat bias and uh, what I call everyday conversations, just normal conversations. There are ways that we can all show up in conversations. There are things that we can do in conversations that will make a really big difference to how people who are different from us um, get to um, express their full selves um, and how people who perhaps are not so um, obviously aware of the potential for bias might think differently about how they engage. So section four of the book is a roadmap for how to change everyday conversations. It describes uh, you know, what you can do to be more aware of bias and really notice it because that's the obvious first step. Um, how you can let others know about it in a way that's not confrontational but is engaging. And then what are some of the things that you can do again in everyday conversations to stop bias from happening? Uh, and there's a series of bias busters in the book. And again, I'll be talking about those in future podcasts. Now, it was Barack Obama who said, we must carry forward the work of the women who came before us and ensure our daughters have no limits on their dreams, no obstacle to their achievements and no remaining ceilings to shatter. Uh, and that is something that I think we can all aspire to. In the book, I focus um, in the first instance by talking about what to do. And that's how you can champion um, inclusion and make sure that you're a champion, not a bystander. It's really important to think about, you know, when all is done and dusted, what are you going to be known for? It's my history of experience, experiencing difference that started my own journey to beat bias. That grounds my focus now in service of my aspiration to increase inclusion. And a key motivator of diversity and inclusion champions and those people who are more high profile as champions is their own experience of difference. One of the things that I do in the training work that I do is to ask leaders who participate in the inclusive leadership workshops that I run to reflect on when they first experienced difference. I ask them to identify you know, what was happening, what did it feel like. The number of negative experiences always far outweighs the positive. Now, certainly when I'm setting up this activity, I do talk about my left-handedness, but I do, the, uh, you know, I provide a balanced uh, set of examples. I also provide my example 
um, of when I was 10 and I had received a copy of Little Women from my parents because I'd done well at school. Um, you know, that talks about how women can pursue their dreams um, and go for things regardless of the stereotypes around them. It's a little bit cliched, but I think, you know, it's a cliche because everybody knows it and because it makes sense. So it's very powerful. So I'd done well at work and that was when my gender stood out for me for the first time and that was a really positive experience. One of the recent workshops that I ran identified these negative feelings, stressed, isolated, excluded, lonely, vulnerable, uncomfortable, inferior, awkward, embarrassed, angry. There were some positive feelings and they included awesome, refreshing, proud, special, fascinated. It is really uncomfortable to recall negative emotions and we tend to shy away from doing so. And one of the reasons for doing this activity is to really help to ground the whole purpose and focus of championing inclusion and doing work around diversity and inclusion in this reality of our emotional connection to our worlds and to work. And I want to ground senior leaders in particular um, in the real impact of exclusion and what it's like to feeling excluded. Almost everybody has that experience of difference. There are some, very few, who've never personally experienced the negativity of being different and they get to hear what it's like from their peers. So it's a really uh, nice storytelling way of finding out how uncomfortable it is to, to feel different. It makes the, the disadvantage that others face more salient and it's more meaningful. It also serves to remind us of our ordinary privilege um, and just the, the fact that we don't have to deal with that discomfort of feeling different. Um, most of those in leadership positions don't have to experience the discomfort of being different all that often. When we understand and, and feel ordinary privilege, it motivates action. It's possible then in the workshops to focus on what it's like to feel included, to highlight how different that is, how different the emotional states are between feeling excluded and feeling included. And this helps to clarify the gap that inclusive leadership can breach. And when senior leaders are motivated to champion the benefits of inclusion, they can create a powerful legacy. In my next podcast, I'll be speaking more about champions. What makes somebody a champion? I'll be talking about this whole issue of male champions. Do you need to be male to be a champion? Well, some people say, can you be male and a champion? My belief uh, just the, the headline for the next podcast, absolutely anyone can be a champion. You've just got to show up and do champion stuff. And in the next podcast, I talk about what that looks like, as well as what you can do to increase the number of people who are champions around you, which is um, something that I think is undersold, underdeveloped, and a way in which we can really grow better support for inclusion. So that's it for today. Thanks so much for joining me. I really look forward to um, your company on the next podcast.